So my wife and my daughter are on a girl's trip this weekend. My daughter, because she works with a company that works with MEA, um, or with schools, they have this break at MEA, and so she had planned a girl's trip with a couple of her friends, but it didn't pan out, so about a week ago, she said, Mom, do you want to go somewhere? And of course, Terry was like, yes. Um, so the good thing is, is that they're having a great time. My daughter has got a puppy about six months ago. So you know what I've been doing this weekend. I've been taking care of the puppy. Now, my daughter does an amazing job of training this little puppy, and smart dog, and all is well, but you know, with any dog, it seems like no matter how much training, there's always times and always places where a dog can get distracted a little bit and um, run off on their own, or do something that they're not supposed to, like, you know, this yesterday morning, I got up and I made myself some coffee, and I was getting ready, and and... All of a sudden, boy, where's Shadow? And go looking around, and well, there she was. She jumped up on our bed, and she was on our bed, just snoozing away. It's like, hmm, yeah, this isn't going to work. But as I was thinking about that, thinking about our message today, um, I kind of came across this video that it's about dogs and about training dogs, but I think it was funny. In fact, listen to the announcers in the background as you're watching this. It's, it's pretty hilarious. So we're halfway through the 24-inch class, and the next dog in is Lobo, a Siberian Husky, handled by Alan Davis from Penargyle, Pennsylvania. Graham seemed very surprised. Yes. And I, even as a University of Oregon graduate, I could say, what a beautiful dog this is. This is an absolutely beautiful dog. But can he be fast? Can he be clean? Can he be a champion? Allen taking a lead out here. Low. Saw that camera. Boom! Oh, come on, Lobo. Get back on track. Get back on track, buddy. There we go. There we go. Here's the weak pulse. Stay. <laughs> Lobo doesn't seem too dialed into this tonight. I tell you. The there you go, Lobo. There we go. <laughs> Oh. Okay, Alan's saying enough's enough. Let's just go. Let's just have some fun. You know, Lobo's like, you know, I just, you know, I've got the top down. I'm heading down Pacific Coast Highway. I'm chilling. Where's my stuff? Maybe there's something up there for me. Okay, fine. Okay, Dad, here we go. Have you ever seen a dog that like this? Oh, there's been several of them. You always get one every year, and it looks like this time it's Lobo. Lobo is going to be the crowd favorite. I guarantee it. Okay, what's going on? Everybody looking at me? Is that my good side? Get these last two jumps. Alan, oh, that's it. Fine. That's it. At this point, we're good to go. Don't worry about it. We're good to go. It's kind of cute, right? And yet, if you're the dog trainer, you know, it gets maybe a little bit of frust frustration. But, you know, some of us can probably relate to this more than others because, you know, you've got dogs and you've been trying to train a dog. Or maybe you have some, a pet of some kind, but 
the whole point of this is just showing how sometimes easy it is for uh, animals get distracted and out of focus, and maybe, just maybe, us humans aren't too far behind. Sometimes we get a little distracted. Thank you. Uh, there, there's another video that I saw, and it was about people competing in a triathlon. Of course, a triathlon, you, you know, you, you run a, a marathon, at least the extreme triathlon, then you bike for 100 miles and you swim for like a mile, that type of thing. And it showed these swimmers, and this guy had gone through the process of following the swimmers in the water. And of course, you know, they're swimming a mile in a lake or in an ocean, and it isn't a straight line. It is like this much. And this guy calculated that for some swimmers, they added sometimes over 100 yards to their swim because they couldn't stay the course. Um, the Apostle Paul tells us to run the race of life, in essence, to win. But we have a problem. We can get off course. So, Maybe, as we're beginning this conversation, maybe you're thinking, yeah, my life is way off course, or um, maybe you feel like your career is, or it's relationships, whether it's marriage, or it's parents and teens, or kids, or maybe your finances, whatever it may be, there are things in our life that at times we can feel are off course. We are distracted, and we lose focus on what we are supposed to pay attention to. There are two main ways that I see people getting off course, or I should say I get off course. Let me not just put this on you. Uh, one is I have the right goal, kind of like the swimmer. The, the goal is right. I'm heading in the right direction. But for some reason or another, I start heading over here, and then, oh yeah, i got to go back this way, and then I start heading over here, and it's back and forth. And so uh, I, my target is right. I just get off focus. I get distracted. For some people, this distraction is a bigger problem than others, you know, squirrel, you know, that whole thing. Uh, and I'm married to one of those, which is absolutely wonderful. My life is never dull. I don't think my wife is watching live stream this morning. But uh, the other kind, I think, distraction or getting off course thing is we just don't, we're, we're not even going the right direction. It's like the target is over here, and we're, we're over here. The problem is, we think this is the right direction. So, two kinds of ways that we can get off course. Right target, but just life happens, and I end up weaving back for Or, I'm just missing it completely. We've, we've spent the whole last year and a half looking at a church in Corinth that has been distracted and gotten off focus by a lot of different things. And Paul spent the vast majority of this letter to the church in Corinth talking about and reminding the church of what was most important. So whether it's in chapter 1 where he talks about the Jews are wanting signs, show us signs, and the Greeks are going, yeah, but we need to have wisdom. It's all about knowledge, and Paul is like, oh, no, it's, it's Christ crucified. Or 
some come in and it's all about this lofty speech, you know. It's who's the best speaker. That's who we follow. And Paul's like, mm, no, 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 wait. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. Or, you know, who, who am I going to follow, Apollos or Cephas or Paul? Or, you know, I, again, it's, well, no, it's, it's Jesus. Or chapter 5 when the church is getting really tolerant and Paul says, you've allowed a kind of sexual immorality that the world isn't even allowing and you are boasting about it. And Paul says, oh, wait, 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 wait. If we're going to boast in anything, it's Christ and Him crucified. Then, of course, they were arguing about what is better, being single or being married. Really? Why are we having this dog argument? It, be single. If you're single, be single. But if you can't handle it, then get married. But whatever, it's Christ and Him crucified. And then, of course, we talked about, you know, eating food offered to idols. You know, it's, it's my right to eat food offered to idols. And somebody else says, you know, you're going to offend somebody. And Paul's like, you know what, I'm free and it's my right to eat food offered to idols, but I choose not to because of Christ and Him crucified. And as we move into chapter 15, and, you know, we could dive even into more into 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14, because that's Paul's dealing with these issues. As we move into chapter 15, and we begin to wrap up this whole series in 1 Corinthians, we see from Paul what is of most important. So turn into your Bibles to chapter 15. We're going to start with verse 1 and read through verse 11. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and after that He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some may have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I per persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. 
So today we are going to talk about, for Paul, what the main thing is. He transitions from all of this, here's all these issues, now let's remember the main thing. He says in verse 1, he says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached. So we talked about food offered idols, we talked about marriage or being single, we talked about gifts of the Spirit, we talked about a lot of different things, but I, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached and you received, and on which you stand, and by which you are saved, if you hold firmly to this. If you don't hold firmly to the gospel, then your belief is in vain. If you get lost in all of these other issues and you don't hold firmly to the gospel, then in essence, why believe? The gospel that Paul preached is the main thing. It's of first importance. There are many other things in our lives that are important, and it doesn't make them any less important. No, it's just in order to have the proper order to life, we need to remember what is of first importance, and that is the gospel. And this gospel, in essence, is your compass. It is your map to go through life. It is what you need to fix your eyes on. Anything else gets you off course. Most of us in this room get it. We, we get it that, oh yeah, the gospel is most important. But you, like me, sometimes we get fixated on something else. We fix our mind on something else. It's, it's good, it's important, but we're over here and now all of a sudden we're off track, even if just a little bit. So the question for today is, what is the gospel? The Greek word here is euangelion, which is where we get our English word evangel or evangelism, evangelical, all of that comes out of that word and what that means is good news. The gospel is good news. So what is the good news? Well, Paul talks about it starting in verse 3. Let me read verses 3 and 4. He says, For what I received I passed on to you of first importance that, here's the good news, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Amen. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to Scriptures. Amen. This is the good news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul lays it out in Romans. Some people call it the Romans Road. I, I like it because it makes it very simple. It's, it's this, Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all on the same playing field. All of us have sinned. 
Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. Because of our sin, the penalty is death. But he continues in 6.23 and says, But the free gift of God is eternal life. Romans 5.8 God showed his love toward us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. I mean, think about that. I mean, sometimes we get so busy in life that we forget this stuff. I mean, this is amazing. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. I have sinned. I don't deserve anything that God has given me. But mm, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. He paid the penalty of my sin so that I could spend eternity with God. Now here's the cool part. Romans 19, verses 9 and 10. Paul says this, If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, we say, Jesus, you are Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. It's that simple. This is the good news. This is of what is of first importance. That we proclaim the good news of Jesus, which means we tell people about Jesus and all he's done. That's what it means. How are people going to know if we don't tell? The Apostle Paul would go to a town and he'd go to the synagogue where the Jewish people would meet and go for their daily prayers and he would go there and he would tell them about Jesus. This Messiah you are praying for, it's Jesus. He came, he died, he rose again and now he's seated at the right hand of God. Then he would go to the gathering place or the meeting place of the Gentiles or the Greeks and he would tell them, hey, this wisdom, this knowledge that you're looking for, oh, it's found in Jesus and he died on the cross for your sins and he rose again and now he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. Today in our culture... The church is no longer the center of life, partially meaning people in general aren't coming to the church looking for answers. It's just the reality of what the world we live in today in the 21st century. So that means of first importance for us as a body of believers is that we go to the places where people are and we tell them about Jesus. That's of first importance. The gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed. There's a lot of other important things out there. There are. But first importance is us proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. 
So what does it look like to live a life where the gospel is of first importance? In verses 9, 10, and 11, Paul tells us that the first thing a life looks like is this, that God uses anyone. Now, Paul describes himself as the least of the apostles. And the reason why he describes himself as the least of the apostles is because he persecuted the church. So if there's anybody who doesn't deserve to be an apostle, doesn't deserve to be somebody to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's Paul because he persecuted the church. So in other words, any of us sitting here feel like we're unworthy to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, you haven't done anything worse than Paul. So God uses anyone. Paul says that it's because of God's grace that he is an apostle. It is because of God's grace that he has the privilege to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. The second thing, what it looks like to live a life where the gospel of, of, uh, is of first importance is this. Work hard. Now, we all, most of us here, get the idea of work ethic or hard work. We understand that, but Paul tells us here that he works harder than anybody at proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. To live a life where the gospel is of first importance, it means that we work hard at proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And even that, Paul says, you know, God's grace fits in here too. God's grace is what drives me. It's, you know, so whether it's just me, hard work, or it's God's grace in and through me, he, he's not even sure. But Paul, what Paul did is, no matter what he was doing, whether he was working as a tent maker, whether he was proclaiming the Jesus Christ, he worked hard for the purpose of the good news of Jesus Christ and being able to proclaim the good news. Paul shared with us way back in chapter 9 of what it looks like to live a life where the gospel of, uh, is of first importance. And I'm going to read those four verses, starting with 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. This is Paul. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. That's what it looks like where the gospel of is first importance. I, I'm free, but I'm going to make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And then he shows us how, for him, this works. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself is not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. That, that's the picture, people. 
I'm a long ways away from that. It's hard for me to set aside my rights and my freedoms and what I feel is important for the first importance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That takes sacrifice. It takes hard work. Mary Clark, at the age of 50, left her comfortable life in suburban Los Angeles to follow a spiritual calling to care for the prisoners in one of Mexico's most notorious jails. She actually moved into a cell to live among the drug kingpins and the petty thieves. Because she moved in, left her suburban life, moved in, she led many of them through powerful spiritual transformation as they surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. In turn, they began to walk away from their life of crime. In fact, there was one time when Mary left for a week because she had some family obligations. And while she was gone, a big riot broke out in this prison. She came back because she heard about the riot. And she wanted to go in, and the guards wouldn't let her in because the violence was crazy in there, and they were feared for her safety. And finally, she convinced them to let her in. And she went in, and she went right for the leader of one of the gangs, and this hardened criminal said, Mama Clark, as soon as we heard you were here, we put down our weapons. So whether it's becoming like a Jew or like one under the law or one who is not under the law, Mary Clark would have the same mantra that Paul has, and that is this, that I have become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. Our church, the Western church, has gotten distracted from that which is of first importance. We are distracted by our fight for our freedoms and rights. And again, that doesn't mean these aren't important. They're important. That's not what I'm saying. But we, we get distracted from what is of first importance. The Western church has gotten distracted because we're still waiting for people to come in through our doors. And we're waiting um, for all these people to change out there before they experiencing the changing power of Jesus Christ. I think it's ironic or telling that Mary Clark and these prisoners, they gave up their life of crime when they experienced the loving grace of Jesus Christ in their life. They didn't give up crime beforehand, and sometimes we in the church, we're trying to legislate our world into goodness, and that's never going to happen because history shows it. But when people begin to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ, they begin to walk away from whatever crime, whatever sin they were part of. 
And just so we know, too, that the Western church isn't the only guilty party. The church has wrestled with this from its beginning. It's Corinth. They got distracted off of what was main importance. Rome, the early Roman church, got distracted. Paul went there and church grew and it was thriving and then it becomes organized and filled with rules and they get power and they get distracted. Because it's a crazy thing. God moves. Lives are transformed as people surrender their life to Jesus and as this movement grows, this is church history, and there gets to be all these people that are getting saved, then we need to organize it and put structure around it and put rules around it, and then we focus more on the structure and the rules than we do of what is of first important. And let's remember that most denominations began in a revival. So for Paul... All that he's covered in this letter, he wants to remind the church of what is in first importance, the good news of Jesus Christ. All the way in verse 15, or verse 58, at the end of chapter 15, Paul says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Making the gospel and proclaiming the gospel, our first importance in our life is really hard. It takes lots of sacrifice and lots of energy. It's saying no to a lot of things. But know this, um, that labor in the Lord is not in vain. So some questions I want to close with this morning. The first question is this. Is the good news of Jesus of first importance in my life? My answer simply is, for me, is no. Second question I want you to reflect on, what things are important in my life they may get in the way of me proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ? That's a conversation between you and God. Again, these other things are not important. They're important. It's what is of first importance. Last question What is important to me that God wants me to look for opportunities to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? What I mean by this is, your career is important, but maybe God wants to use your career as a place to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Just because something is important in your life doesn't mean, and you don't have to get rid of it, It, it's just about How do I proclaim Jesus Christ in this area that's important to me? If school is important to you, or 
sports or drama, maybe God wants you to use that and have as an opportunity to proclaim Jesus Christ. My challenge to us as a church is that we become a place where amongst all the things that are important, we always remember that what is first of first importance. And that's proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. Let's pray. Again, Father, we thank you that you... um, You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins while we were yet sinners. And Father, thank you that even when we get distracted, you show us grace, you show us mercy and love, and you just prod us in a different direction, you guide us. Forgive us, Father, when we don't pay attention to that prodding. Father, I pray that we would be a place that is intentional and works hard at proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ in our community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.